Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Crazy day in free agency yesterday, we're going to get to all of that, but first I want to start off with the London series. I feel like this, you know, it, it already happened, uh, it ended yesterday, so I want to talk about wealth relevant, plus... For you guys who aren't NBA fans or really aren't interested in this whole NBA free agency thing, I want to show you guys a little love because lately it's been all NBA, so I want to mix in a little MLB for you guys. We're going to talk about my take on the London series, uh, and then we're going to get to NBA free agency. A lot of big moves. Um, there's still you know some guys left like Kawhi, DeMarcus Cousins, Marcus Morris, Danny Rajon Ron, Kelly Oubre. Uh, all, you know, there's still some guys, so we'll talk about them in a future episode. I won't take a whole episode, basically, like today will, besides the London series. But first, we are going to kick things off with the London series, so let's get to that. Alright, so obviously you had the big London series between the Red Sox and the Yankees. First games ever played in London. First of all, what were my take, what was my take on having the game in London? Stupid. It was stupid. Um... I get why the MLB wanted to do this, you know, why they want to put these, you know, international games out there to expand the game of baseball, but why London? London is not known for baseball at all, and I get it, London, baseball's never been played in London. I don't blame the MLB for making this move, and I don't hate it as much as other people hate it, but I still don't really like it, okay? You're throwing these baseball players off by a mile with the time zones in the first place, but also... I get why you want to put the two most marketable teams in London, but we saw it with the Mariners and uh, the Athletics at the beginning of the season when they went over to, um, I forget the place now, but they kind of did the same thing, the Red Sox and Yankees. That was just so long ago, I forget where it was. I could tell you like two months ago, but can't anymore. Uh, they went over, you know, overseas. And since the people in London don't know baseball, I mean – they're not going to know the difference between the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Mariners and the Athletics. And choose franchises like that that are just irrelevant. I get why you want to choose the Red Sox and the Yankees. It's a great rivalry, but they're not going to know the difference over there. So, again, that was just kind of a little questionable. Uh, and plus, in London, I mean, if the game hasn't caught on by now, it's been around for almost 150 years. If it hasn't caught on by now, you know, will it? I get that, you know, maybe not all of them were exposed to baseball before this, but I I don't think you're going to gain a whole lot of fans. I don't think it's worth flying those teams over there, especially just for two games. Make it a three or four game series, for God's sake. Because one, you could probably make a ton of money off that because people in London would probably die to see this sport for the first time. Um, And second of all... Why have them fly all the way over there, change time zones for two games, and then have to change back that quickly? What's the point? I don't get it. Um, also, you know, when we talk, when I'm talking about, they don't know the difference. You know, when like the Liverpool teams come over here, or whatever, like you know, you see like, Liverpool and whatnot. I forget what the league's called, but it's soccer. I don't cover soccer, so like Liverpool, those types of ball, ball, uh, soccer clubs, we don't know the difference. So I think it's just the same thing over there. They, they're not going to know the difference. Why would you put two of the most important... Like, okay, I get it, but at the same time... All right, you know what? I guess the MLB sitting there just like, why not? I, 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 I don't know. Listen, I'm trying to put up an argument against it. And I, I do think there's an argument against it. But at the same time, I don't hate it as much as other people do. Um, but focusing on the Red Sox... 50 runs scored in this series, they lose both games. The Red Sox score 13 runs and 8 runs. When you score 13 and 8, you should walk out of there 2-0, and happy, leave, you know, leave a, you know, on a positive note. Instead, you're, oh, that, mm, that is horrible. You fly all the way over there. First of all, this is going to mess you up, Okay. This is going to mess up your whole schedule, all right, in the first place. You're probably going to go back to this Toronto series and be out a little out of whack, okay? This first game might not be so so great. But second of all, you lost both games. So not only now are you whacking your whole schedule up, um, you know, it's probably going to mess you up for the next game, all of this. Your sleep schedule's all off now, but you lost both games. 
it's a great experience for the players. Might bring them in a little closer, but I don't I don't think that that's something you really need with this Red Sox club. I feel like they're pretty close in general. Uh, but you know, whatever. I guess that's a that's a plus to take out of it. One of the few. I also think with the London series, you didn't really expose London to the game of baseball. You showed them how exciting it can be, but it's very unreal. You know, it's it's very rarely will it be a seventeen to thirteen game or even twelve to eight. Twelve to eight's a little more common, but still. I mean, you expose them to games where there's at least twenty runs scored. That's n- rarely happens in the MLB. You never see 50 runs scored in a two-game span. You never see 20-plus runs scored in both games. That's just ridiculous. You never see it. So all of a sudden now you're introducing to them to this, you know, game of baseball where it's offense, 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 you know, tons of runs scored, five-hour baseball games. That's not what it is. Although the hours, you know, definitely hits five a lot, but – no, seriously, this isn't what it is. I know the offensive numbers are starting to go up. Uh, you know, lately they have in the MLB. The offensive numbers are going up. Obviously, the big problem over here in America is the you know pace of the game. You know, it's super slow. And nowadays, we like more you know um, fast-paced games. So I get that, but the offensive numbers going up. Obviously, most people like that, but it's still it's not that that much. Okay, again, the offensive numbers, seven, eight runs scored a night. On average, I'd say around seven. Seven, you know, more three to four ball games, five to two. That's what we usually see. I'd say that's fair. It's a little over seven a night. I don't know the exact number, but their, their average, they think there's on average 25 runs a game scored. And you're saying Aiden. They're not going to base that opinion off those two games. And I get what you're saying in a, in a state that, they, they can't just say, oh, this is what baseball is like, 25 runs a night off of based off the little data of two games. But that's all the data they have. 99% of the people over in London don't know, have never watched a baseball game. Probably 98% of them have not watched a baseball game outside of those two games that were played over the weekend. I mean, so, yeah, we say it's small data. They shouldn't base it off that small data, but that's what they're going to do because that's the only data they have. <clears throat> and for the Red Sox, ugh, I, I, you, that was a chance to at least stay even with the Yankees. Take one game, two would have been great, but instead you already go over there again. Mess up your schedule, and now you get farther in the standings. You drop two games, don't even win any. You drop farther in the standings, and now you're farther with uh, with the Yankees. The hole just keeps getting dug deeper. You're 44-40, and 40, uh, which isn't a horrible record, but it's not going to get you in the playoffs. 44-40, and 40, if your percentage is .524, that's not going to get you in the playoffs. You're four games behind the Rays, and you're 11 behind the Yankees now. Again, 44-40 is a nice little record, but this team should be doing better, and that's not going to get you in the playoffs. The Yankees, if 524, I guarantee you the Yankees will be above that percentage by the end of the season, and there's about an 85% chance the Rays will as well. I can see the Rays maybe doing a little bit of a choke towards the, uh, the downstretch of things, but again, that means if you keep up this pace, you're banking on the second wildcard spot. And when I look around the league, the Indians are at 542. Okay, so they're already ahead of you. They're starting to heat up a little. Get back to the ball club they are. The Rangers are at 548. Again, I don't believe in the Rangers, but they haven't shown any signs of stopping. The Athletics are at 541. Uh, You know, the Athletics are kind of like a, you know... They're on, the, they're on the fence. I think they'll be right around that range by the end of the season. So you got contenders. You're not going to make the playoffs at this rate. Right now you are, let me see, the Yankees, the Twins, all right, the Astros, that's the three seeds. And then the Rays hold the first wild card spot, and the Rangers hold the second. Then in third is the Indians. Fourth for the wild card race is the Athletics. Then coming in at fifth is you. So if you stay at 524, You'd have to bank on three of the teams ahead of you to just collapse, which is probably not going to happen. So you have to get better if you want to make the playoffs. The expectation for this team was very high. 
the very, their expectation for this team was around 90-something wins. You know, it's you're not going to repeat what they did last season in the regular season, but at least you were up there competing with the Yankees where you – I thought they'd fall a few – I thought they'd win the division but lose to the Yankees. I forget what it was, but um, either people thought you'd edge it out with the Yankees or you'd fall a few games behind the Yankees but still get, like, the first wild card spot and make it past the wild card game. People thought you and the Yankees would really compete. And even if you fell right behind them with the Yankees, you're still probably hitting expectations if you get like 96 wins or something. This team, no. This team, I mean, at this point, we're looking at 87 wins. It's not going to get you in the playoffs. And really, the wild card game is super risky. You can't just say, all right, let's just get to the wild card game. That's, that's a tough thing to barter with. And now I get... You know, with the Yankees at this point, you're probably not going to catch up with the Yankees. So you're saying, let's just get to the wild card game. But that's the thing. You're relying on one game now all of a sudden. So that's not a good, great spot to be in in the first place. So that's kind of just discussed in the London series. It would have been a great time to steal one against the Yankees because they were probably a little uh, messed up as well due to the schedule. So we'll see how they do against the Blue Jays. They need a bounce back again. After that Orioles series, I told you they're not back. After that twin series, I said... Maybe they're turning a corner, but they need to prove more. The inconsistency has just been there. This team can't focus for more than two series in a row. I, I said it, and some of you were all like, no, 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 no. They're turning a corner, and I said, give it give it a little more time. And what do you know? They crash right into a wall once again. So we'll see if the Red Sox can pick it up. From what I've seen, I don't know if they can. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to NBA free agency. All right, so obviously uh, huge moves made, over $2.5 billion spent last night in the NBA, last evening. So obviously, I if you heard my last episode, not many of you didn't. It took me over an hour to make, guys. I, I pump out hour episodes. Basically, at this point, it used to be half an hour. At this point, it's like at least 45 minutes for an episode. I pump out 45-minute episodes at least every day. Show a little love. Go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces, and tell your friends about this podcast, please. Just share it with them and be like, you know what? It's a, it's a good little podcast. I mean, I'm starting to grow. I know right now, you know, maybe I'm not the best. I know I'm not the best podcast in the world, but I'm trying to get there. I think I do pretty good for a 13 year old, uh, but I'm, I'm trying to get better at it every day. Um, constructive criticism. And but anyway, just please, just for a little love, because really, just these aren't easy to do every single day. But anyway, enough of that. Let's get to NBA free agency. Uh, so obviously, again, I felt like NBA free agency was over by the end of the night. But then I remember Kawhi Leonard still hasn't signed anywhere. Demarcus Cousins still is an unrestricted free agent. Even if you wanna, if you wanna throw him in, Marcus Morris, uh, Danny Green, uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, which is, you know, still on the fence. You don't know where he's going to go. You don't know where Danny Green, Kawhi's a big decision. I think Boogie Cousins is going to the Knicks, but we don't really know exactly where he's going to go. Willie Cauley-Stein, even Jabari Parker, Kevin Looney, Rajon Rondo. So there's still names out there. There definitely is. But I'm going to get to some of the signings that have happened. Uh, first one, KD, Kyrie. I'll just knock all three of them out. KD to the Nets, Kyrie to the Nets, and DeAndre Jordan to the Nets. Who else called it but me? I predicted this. I told you guys about my predictions, and I predicted this big three was going to Brooklyn. And I was right, so I'm pretty proud of that. Um, but I, I just wasn't too surprised. Obviously, if you heard my podcast from yesterday, go check it out. I was in the middle of recording, and I said, I just checked my phone, and I was just like... I missed KD signing. So an hour before I recorded my podcast, I heard, oh, he's going to announce his decision tonight on the boardroom. So I thought by tonight, 7, 8 p.m., it turns out, no. No, that wasn't it at all. It turned out he was going to announce it before free agency started. It was it was announced by Woj or something. He didn't even announce it like himself, like kind of like LeBron did. It just said, KD is going to Brooklyn or something. It was stupid. So stupid. It, it really just didn't hit my expectations. Yesterday, in general... I don't want to sound greedy, but didn't hit my expectation just because I expected one of the most hectic days in NBA history. It was pretty hectic, but at the same time, it wasn't very surprising. When I looked down where these guys went, Katie, Kyrie, and um, 
DeAndre Jordan. I knew that big three was coming. Well, I didn't know it, but I predicted it. So, Kemba Walker, we all knew he was going to Boston. Klay Thompson, we all knew he was going to Golden State. Chris Stapps, we all knew he was going to Dallas. Jimmy Butler, by, you know, um, what night was it? By the time Saturday night rolled around, Sunday morning, we knew he was going to Miami. Tobias Harris. Uh, was still on the fence, but most of us were starting to get the gauge that he was going to Philly. That one was a little surprising, but Chris Middleton, we all knew he was going back to Milwaukee. Nikola Vucevic, we knew he was going back to Orlando before free agency start, started. Uh, D'Angelo Russell was a good one. He st- we still don't know where he's going, so that one's technically still there. But again, those are just the top names right there. We knew where most of them were going to go before free agency started. Um, and even then... We, most of us nailed our predictions because, I, I don't know, there just weren't a lot of surprises. But I'm still going to get to the signings anyway. Anyway, this big three. They're going to be good, obviously. But I, I just wonder, you know, how good will they be next season? I think they're being a bit overrated. I don't think they're going to be title contenders right away. I don't think they will be. I don't see them winning a title in this first year. Uh, yeah, you look at the role players around them. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, uh, Rodion's Krooks, even Jared Allen. Some of these piece, younger pieces around them are still developing. And I think just got their first taste of the playoffs. I think, you know, it's there's still, you know, there's still a little bit of room for improvement there. Katie is hurt. So Katie's going to be gone for most of the season, which he'll probably come back for the end of the season, the playoffs maybe. And I don't expect KD to be the same player. I think we might see a downgraded KD. Uh, so that's in the first place. Second, oh, uh, second of all, this is basically, you know, Kyrie's team, which we saw how that went in Boston. So it's, you know, the Nets team last year, minus D'Angelo Russell, plus Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan. And then KD will come in basically for the playoffs. So your seeding, you know, is going to be fourth seed at highest, I'd say. And KD's going to come back and make you deadlier, but I'm not sure how well he's going to come back and play right away. So I don't consider them title contenders that, contenders that first year. But if KD can come back and still be a superstar-type player, maybe not the same he was in Golden State, but at least a superstar-type player, I think that's a, that's definitely a plus. Uh, definitely, definitely a plus. So I don't see them being title contenders right away. But... Again, this is just, this is a new, I, I I think, also be on the lookout in the future for what happens to these young guys. You know, do they let them walk or do they package them together for a nice um, third superstar, or star at least? You look at it, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Rodion's Karooks, Jared Allen with DeAndre Jordan, you know, that whole thing. Um... We think I'm missing Joe Harris. So I think you're going to let a few of those guys walk. I think you're going to try to keep one or two of them. Maybe let one of them walk. Try to package a few of those guys together and get that third star. I know you don't have, you're kind of up against the cap here, but you're not going to be able to sign them all. So try to get something out of it. Maybe you decide to trade them for draft picks to, you know, because you know they're going to walk anyway. So I don't know. Just, just thoughts out there. But this is a new big three. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, DeAndre Jordan being that third piece. I never really thought I'd, you know, mention him in a big three after uh, the CP3 Blake Griffin days, but I am. Here I am. A real legitimate big three, and he's a part of it. So we'll see what happens for that Nets team. Uh, Obviously, the one more thing I wanted to get to with KD, because I was kind of focused on the Nets, but the other team in New York, the Knicks, the Knicks, the New York Knicks have been absolutely bamboozled. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely... I'm at a loss for words, okay? All right. This Knicks franchise has been such a disappointment for the past few years. Or a few years, more than that, okay? James Dolan, I think... We can all agree we'd love to see him sell this team. Because what they are doing is absolutely insane. You weren't prepared to give Katie the max? How stupid are you? Why are you wasting our time? Why are you wasting our time? Listen, I know when Kyrie was going to Brooklyn, when we heard uh, Kyrie to Brooklyn, 
and we heard possibly Katie and Kawhi, but we didn't expect it. The odds of Katie going to New York were not that great heading into free agency. But the point, just the thing, the thought that you didn't actually offer him a max, you just went in there and saying, uh, well, we're thinking more like three years, 90 mil. That's absolutely insane. What are you doing? First of all, first of all in the first place, you were the New York Knicks. You were sitting there. You had the worst record last season. You added R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett. You knew Kyrie was gone. You knew Kawhi. You know, he's probably not going to New York. So all you had to offer, what did you have to offer Katie? Well, we're the New York Knicks. And we had the worst record last season. You don't have anything to offer to Kevin Durant that seems too appealing. So you have to do everything you can. You have to pay him the max amount of money. Going in there and saying, well, we're not going to offer you the max. When the Nets were willing to do it, when any other team in the league was willing to do it. That just doesn't make sense at all if you kind of get what I'm coming in at. Out of all the teams that were in the running for KD, the Clippers, the Nets, the Warriors, and the Knicks, you name those four teams, the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Nets all had better cases in the first place for KD, better pitches to KD than the Knicks would. They had better pitches in the first place. So you have to do everything you can. You have to offer them the max. You didn't even offer them the max. You offered them the least amount of money. You are the worst pitch in the first place. The worst pitch out of the four teams. And you didn't even offer him the max when the other three teams were willing to do so. And I know he took a little under the max with the Nets to sign DeAndre Jordan. But who cares? It was by a little... He shaved off just a little bit of money. Okay? Just a little bit to sign DeAndre Jordan and play with Kyrie Irving. And instead... Why would he take a pay cut with your team to play with R.J. Barrett in the worst team last season? I, I just don't get it. It just doesn't make sense. What were you thinking? You went in there, oh, you want the max? You heard it be reported. I don't get this at all. Listen, I know I'm kind of going on a rage here, and, you know, maybe it's not the clearest, but listen, it just doesn't make sense. How stupid are you? How stupid are you? Knicks fans have been bamboozled for years. The NBA is being bamboozled because the Knicks are the most valuable franchise in the NBA at $4 billion. They're not the most important. It's probably the Lakers, but the Knicks are top three at least. They have absolutely bamboozled the NBA, the Knicks fans, the people in the Knicks organization that I've had to sit there for years and absolutely suffer. I am a Celtics fan from Boston, and I feel sorrow for those Knicks fans that have to put up with that. James Dolan is the most clueless man on earth. And it's not even to mention this. He is so unlikable. We've seen it. My uncle is his chef, okay? My uncle is his chef and tells me same things behind the scenes. Grumpy, grumpy man. Grumpy man, I'll tell you. Like, this guy, oh, so he's not even likable. So it's not even like this guy, you know, shows up to work and doesn't do a good job, but he's giving out, you know, money to charity and, you know, being a nice guy. No, he's a grumpy dude that doesn't like anyone. And he does, he's horrible at his job, too. At least when we look at Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, at this, though, the thing is with him, he may be grumpy, but he's great at his job. One of the best ever. James Dolan, grumpy man, super unlikable in the first place, and he's the worst at his job. Horrible owner. And he owns the New York Knicks. Own the Memphis Grizzlies. Even that, I think I'd have a problem. If he owned the Memphis Grizzlies, I'd, I'd be like, oh. But he owns the most valuable franchise in the NBA. Oh, that's just, it's horrible. It's horrible. The NBA needs to step in and do something about this because this is getting to a point where it, it's just ridiculous. This is to the point where, no, it's not even, you know, we talk about, you know, people making stupid decisions, but at this point, I feel like he's trying to be dumb. And you don't say that in sports. Usually people make dumb decisions, but you don't really say they're trying to be stupid. And really mean it. I think at this point, I really mean he might trying might be trying to be stupid. This is absolutely insane. And I know you probably wouldn't have got him in the first place, but at least offer him the max. You don't get him. You know it's a big loss, but because you you know gave up Kristaps, 
but I know it's a big loss, but at least you tried. You didn't even try. Not giving KD the max, that was, no, that's it. No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is absolutely ridiculous, insane. New York has been bamboozled. I give New York Knicks fans a, a pass to switch teams. And I, you know, I don't like that when people, like, switch teams because their team's doing bad. You know, you got to wait it out, ride and die with your team. But at this point, with the Knicks, they might be an exception. They just might be an exception. Because this is absolutely getting insane. He's trying to be stupid at this point. I feel like he's that guy that went in there and is just trying to troll us all. I mean, this is just so... It, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. The NBA has to step in and do something about this because this is this is ridiculous. All right, moving on, because that was, uh, you know, 13, 14 minutes of raging right there. Kemba Walker going from Charlotte to the Celtics in technical sign and trade. Good, again, we've already talked about this. Great move for both sides. Very good move for both sides. Kemba gets to get out of Charlotte, dreaded Charlotte Hornets. Go get the max in Boston. He gets to compete for a title in Boston. He gets to play for a relevant franchise I and compete for a title is debatable, but they're one piece away, the Celtics are. They're one, you know, solidly big piece away. You know, if they if those young guys can develop and play their roles, um, and can, Kemba can go in there, make them better, uh, be a good guy in the locker room, and play the style that Brad Stevens wants to play, they are legitimately one big, you know, one piece away. I don't even have to say it's a huge piece, because if all those things go right, they're not too far away from really contending for a title. When I look at the Celtics team, though, right now, they're not a title contender. But Kemba understands that he's now in a better situation to win with the Celtics. And he understands that they are still one big piece away. And there's a chance they really get that piece. Uh, we already talked about that, so I don't want to talk about it too much. But now Clay Thompson, four years, 190 mil. Um, no shocker. No shocker here. We knew he was going back to Golden State. Uh, you know, the Warriors are going to retire KD's number, but KD is gone. Boogie Cousins pretty much gone at this point, too. And they need to keep Clay. I want to see the Warriors go a little bit deeper. I know they just traded for D'Angelo Russell. We're going to get to that. I think the only reason they did it is a very smart move because instead of letting KD walk for nothing, you get D'Angelo Russell, who is a horrible fit, but they're going to move him anyway for some pieces. So you're actually getting now something for Kevin Durant instead of just letting him walk for nothing. Become a deeper team. You lost the NBA Finals, arguably because of injuries, but really because the the um, you know you had more star power than the Raptors, but the Raptors were deeper and had more weapons. Get that Swiss Army knife, you know. Get that guy. Become a deeper team. Um, and I don't have a problem with all that star power because their depth struggled, but it wasn't like horrible like the Seventy Sixers. But you know, spend some more on your depth. If your big three is Steph. Clay and Draymond, even with an injured Clay, he'll come back. You have that big three. Surround them with very good pieces. I mean, the depth could go a long way. That big three, if Clay comes back and is healthy, and Draymond's a defensive player of the year candidate, like usual, Steph Curry's playing ball, you know, like he usually does, and they have very good depth, they're a title contender. And no big free agents, you know, really wants to go there anyway. So spend that money you have on some depth. Don't burn it all on depth, but spend most of it on some depth. Now, moving on to Kristaps Porzingis, another one that we all saw coming. It makes sense. You traded for Kristaps. You didn't give up a lot for Kristaps Porzingis, but you were going to keep him. You signed him for five years, 158 mil. A good contract. There is a risk involved in it because Chris Dobbs come back from a huge injury. So if he comes back and isn't the same player, you have him on this ginormous contract. Uh, and, you know, if he's not the same player, you know, if he's not very good anymore, you know, he's more of just a role player, then your franchise is in deep trouble. But obviously the Dallas Mavericks are a solid franchise. They made solid moves in the past. I feel like they have a solid resume and, when it comes down to it, they've worked with Chris Dapps for the past four months, and they obviously feel he's probably rehabbed well enough to give him that money. I feel if they saw, you know, 
hiccups in his rehab and thought he wouldn't be the same player, they probably wouldn't give him the money. So, again, I don't think there's a huge risk here, but there is obviously one if they are wrong, but I don't think they are. Uh, Jimmy Butler traded to the Heat. Signed and trade to the Miami Heat for a four-year, $142 million deal. For Jonathan Simmons, so we'll just go over this trade. For the Miami Heat, it makes sense, I guess. Uh, I know you give up um, Jonathan Simmons, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I'll take Jimmy Butler over Jonathan Simmons. The only thing that stinks here, though, for the Heat is with this trade, you're no title contender. You're not a title contender with this trade. With this trade, you go from what were you last season? Last season, you were the. Uh, let me check. I think you were just out. You were out of the playoffs. So last season, you were what the nine or ten seed in the NBA. In this season, you are a few wins better. So last season, you were the ten seed, sitting at thirty nine and forty three. So next season, you're probably just above five hundred which maybe slides you into the playoffs. So with Jimmy Butler, you get a few wins better. Now you're probably saying, Aiden, they, Jonathan Simmons for J- Jimmy Butler, and you're telling me they just get a few wins better? You have to remember that Jimmy Butler is not a very good leader. You also have to remember, I don't know, uh, <laughs> most of the part that I was getting to, Jimmy Butler, not a very good leader, okay? Um... Uh, frankly, I mean, we kind of already figured that out. He He's not someone who really leads his team. He did love the idea of having his own team in Miami. Pat Riley really believes in Eric Spoltra. I think that trio will work right there. But especially on a team like that, that's not very good. I just don't really see Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, again, he's not a type of player you really build a team around, build a title contender around. He's not a player that you want leading your team, especially a team like the Miami Heat, that he's probably not going to believe in a lot of those players. A lot of them are, you know, overpaid players, or they're young players that are still unproven, like Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters. I just don't see him getting along with that group. I, I don't really. No, I don't. I don't really think this gets them a whole lot better. Maybe they get up to a seven seed at most. But again, the East is getting a little deeper now with this free agency. If Kawhi comes back, the Raptors are still, even without Kawhi, if that, so that Raptors team without Kawhi, they're still better than you. You look at the Bucks are better than you, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Pacers, the Nets, uh, arguably the Magic. They were last season, the Pistons arguably still better than you. So, you know, you throw those teams in, it's going to be tough for the Heat still. They're, you know, worse than six teams, I can tell you already. And then, you know, a few other teams are debatable. So I'd say at max, they get the seventh seed. At very max, if they reach their absolute height, they get the sixth seed. But again, I just, that's the thing about it. I understand why they want to do it, because they might get Bradley Beal as well. But the thing is, as much as you're interested in Bradley Beal, who said you were going to get get him? First of all, the Wizards are – Bradley Beal wants to be a Wizard, and the Wizards really like Bradley Beal. The Wizards, the Wizards it's going to take a lot to get rid of Bradley Beal. You're going to have to overpay for Bradley Beal because there are other buyers in the market, and the Wizards don't want to let him go. So you're going to have to overpay. And the Miami Heat don't have the assets to overpay. Okay, they don't. They don't have the assets. There are a lot of teams that are interested in Bradley Beal that have better assets – and in the end of the day, um, the Heat barely even have enough assets. It, you know, that's even debatable. They barely even have enough assets to trade for Bradley Beal in the first place without overpaying for him. They have missing draft picks, limited young talent. Uh, it's a s- underrated young core, but it's nothing special like some of these other teams have that are interested in Bradley Beal. So, I mean, that's just me. But, again, I just don't think it, it makes a huge uh, improvement to your roster, and I think it's going to take a Bradley Beal to really start talking about getting to the second round even or possibly the Eastern Conference Finals. I think, you know, if you add Bradley Beal, the wait isn't over. You're going to have to wait out some of these contracts now all of a sudden too. You add Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler with that roster maybe gets you to a five seed all of a sudden. Max a four seed maybe next season. Max. I think it definitely gets you better. But again, this East is pretty deep. 
but that's still, you're not contending for a title. You're just getting a little better, maybe make it to the second round at max. The You squeak into the Eastern Conference Finals, but still, then you're another piece away, and you just gave up all your assets for Bradley Beal, and you're still going to have waiting to do to get rid of some of these salaries, so you'd have to get it done in free agency. So, again, it, it, we'll see what happens with them, but I think it's just a bit overrated just for that reason. And then there's Tobias Harris. Uh, reported five-year, $180 million deal. The 76ers did overpay for Tobias Harris here. I don't think Tobias Harris is worth that type of money, but nonetheless, Tobias Harris is still a very good player. The Sixers had a interesting free agency. Some people think they were losers. Some people think they were winners. Some people think they were winners because they should have chose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler was a horrible fit with that team, and they got Jonathan, they didn't, instead of just letting Jimmy Butler walk, they got Jonathan Simmons out of him, they re-signed Tobias Harris, and they got Al Horford. They got the defensive stopper uh, for Joel Embiid. So now all of a sudden, he's gone, so now that he won't slow down Joel Embiid if they run into him. Their rival with the Celtics, uh, all of a sudden, is stripped of Al Horford, which kind of gives you the upper hand on the Celtics all of a sudden, and it makes your front court really deadly. Uh, but Tobias Harris, I like the signing, and I don't like the money, but I like the signing and getting Tobias Harris back. Uh, and I think they should have chose between Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, because if you sign both of them back, all of a sudden you have no depth. So now you got to go out there. I did resign Mike Scott, I'm pretty sure. So go out there, try to get a depth piece or two, because this is kind of last year's roster where it's a star-studded starting five, and then you have no one off the bench. So try to get a bench piece or two if I'm the 76ers. Chris Middleton, uh, again, the one that we all saw coming, five years, $178 million. Uh, he's getting overpaid, too. Again, I told you, really, what? A, how many pluses are there with him? He's humble. I guess he's humble. He's an elite shooter. You know, he's an over average playmaking forward. But again, playmaking forwards to me, unless you're some star with the ball in their hands all the time, it doesn't matter. Same thing with like Joe Ingles. I, I don't, I know. It doesn't really matter too much to me. Chris Middleton, above average defender. So he's solid. He's just not worth that money either. And the tough thing with that comes you can't get Malcolm Brogdon back. So if you were on team Malcolm Brogdon, this isn't a very good signing. But they had to get Chris Middleton back in my eyes. So not horrible. Nikola Vucevic, four years, $100 million. Uh, in my opinion, this is the money he was going to get. So I, I don't blame the Magic for this. This is about... They should have made this signing. Um, maybe not should have, because the thing with the Magic is, you know, maybe they should have let go of Vooch to free up a little bit of cap space to totally just go in tanking mode instead of just being stuck in the middle like they were last season. The Magic are making a little bit of improvements. Their they're young talent's developing a little, but they're nothing special, and now you have Vooch for the next four years. Um that means you gotta get rid of Mo Bamba now. All of a sudden, you gotta get rid of Mo Bamba, and you gotta start you really getting serious about this. Now with signing back Vooch, I think you gotta get rid of Bamba. You gotta really start, you know, developing these guys correctly, like Jonathan Isaac. And you really gotta go out and get a point guard and actually try to contend rather than just stuck, stay stuck in the middle. Then we got D'Angelo Russell, a four-year, $117 million deal traded to the Warriors. Again, that was just so the Warriors could get something out of Kevin Durant rather than nothing. He will be traded, so we're going to touch up on him uh, when he does get traded. Then there's Malcolm Brogdon. He went to the Pacers. No one really predicted this besides me and a few other people. I predicted Brogdon to the Pacers. I just thought he'd be a great fit there. Four years, 85 mil. I told you why he was going to be such a good fit with Victor Oladipo because if Oladipo is still out, Brogdon can, you know, get create his own shot uh, and score the basketball, and he can pick up um, – Victor Oladipo slack defensively that he, you know, Victor Oladipo isn't on the court. Malcolm Brogdon can pick up the slack defensively. He can create his own shot. I, I, Malcolm Brogdon won't score the basketball, won't get as many points as Victor Oladipo did, but he'll at least, you know, give you something. And even when 
Um, Victor Oladipo is on the court. Malcolm Brogdon can play off ball and knock down threes and spread the court for um, Victor Oladipo. So it's just a great fit, great signing for the Indiana Pacers. Underrated free agent. J.J. Redick, 35 years old. I can't believe that. Uh, two years, $26.5 million deal with the Pelicans. It makes sense uh, for the Pelicans, at least. For J.J. Redick, it is debatable because we can argue, go out and try to get a ring. But at the same time, you know, even Jimmy Butler showed it. Sometimes you got to go with player happiness over, you know, I guess what what everyone else is telling you. Go for the ring. But in, deep down, you're like, you know, I don't want to go to this team. I really want to go to New Orleans. I know I'm not really going to contend for a ring. But this is a great signing for the New Orleans Pelicans. It gives them shooting. And my thing is, if J.J. Reddick comes off the bench, totally useless. J.J. Reddick has to start. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at it and saying, they're not moving Lonzo Ball or Drew Holiday. I doubt it, at least. So is J.J. Redick playing small forward for Brandon Ingram? That's the only thing with the signing. J.J. Redick brings locker room, um, in that locker room presence that you need, because outside of Drew Holiday, you really don't have anything. Maybe each one more or something. Uh, but the only problem is if you bring J.J. Redick off the bench, there's no point. He needs to be in that starting rotation, and I really don't see them moving on to or Drew Holiday, especially Drew Holiday, to the bench. So is Brandon Ingram going to come off the bench and J.J. Redick run the three? Uh, my only problem with that is that's a huge defensive hole and size height hole at the three position. J.J. Redick's already a horrible defender for a shooting guard, never mind small forward. But it does give you shooting to that starting five, uh, which you have basically none of. So the you know, your defense is not going to be very good, uh, but offensively, it's really going to benefit you. He'll spread the floor, give you shooting, which you need. Uh, you have already have Etwan, more Nikhil, Alexander Walker, uh, Josh Hart off the bench. You already have a ton of shooting off the bench, wing shooters off the bench. So it doesn't make sense to put J.J. Redick there, and he's basically ineffective coming off the bench. So Moving to small forward, it hurts you defensively, but Brandon Ingram's not a great defender anyway. He's just a, over J.J. Redick. He's better, but Brandon Ingram doesn't give you that three ball. Plus, I think Brandon Ingram would really shine with the bench unit and give you um, some good scoring off the bench. The only problem is the defense. DeMarcus Cousins, unsigned. Still telling you the Knicks, but again, they just signed a ton of big men, so we'll see. Uh, Al Horford with the Sixers. Um, Four-year, 109 million dollars. It does hurt a little as a Celtics fan. I wouldn't have paid him that much money if I'm the Celtics. He's already 33 years old. He's not worth that money in the first place. He's a good player, a great uh, rim protector. He's a, you know, he can hit those open threes, great in the pick and roll, but he's not worth that much money, especially already at his age. But for the Sixers, it's a solid pickup. Again, too much money, and all of a sudden you can't really spend it on depth, which, again, you need. Uh, but he's someone who can slide into the five position if Joel Embiid's out, which he is at stretches of time. Um, or he can play power forward, and him and Joel Embiid can just be a nightmare down in the paint defensively. He can hit open threes, which you need. I think you needed a little shooting, especially with J.J. Redick gone. You need a little shooting in that starting five. Um he also takes, you know, you take him away from the Celtics. I think one of, he was like the X factor. When it came to the Celtics versus the 76ers, the Celtics kind of owned the Sixers mostly because of Al Horford. So all of a sudden, now you kind of have the upper hand against the Celtics, who are your division rivals. And also, he brings locker room leadership, a presence. Now, my problem with this is, he was part of the problem in Boston rather than the solution. So I'm not sure how great of a leader he is, but in my eyes, he could be a potential leader for the Philadelphia 76ers, especially with J.J. Redick gone now. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich signing, he's 30 years old, signed a four-year, $73 million deal with the Jazz. That's good money for Boyan Bogdanovich. My only problem is for four years now, all of a sudden, um, now four years all of a sudden, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, 30 years old already. But with that being said, it's still... A good signing. Most of these guys this year were overpaid a bit. Nothing Boyan was. Maybe when he hits 33, 34, he probably won't be worth that money. But that's just how the NBA is nowadays. Um, so it's just how it is. <laughs> 
But no, the only problem with this is my concern is now Joe Ingles is probably going to have to play the f- four. So you have a pretty small ball lineup. Luckily, Rudy Gobert is one of the best rebounding bigs in the league and one of the best rim protectors in the league. So that's a big plus. And Joe Ingles is still a good defender. I just think he's undersized to play the four. So outside of Rudy Gobert, you don't have much rebounding. Uh, but Boyan Bogdanovich is a good addition. I think he's. I, I don't want Boyan's not ball dominant, but I just think for this lineup, you want more of an off ball three. And I think Boyan can play off ball, but I feel like after what he did last season, he's developed more of an on ball game after what he did in the postseason. So, I mean, we'll see how it fits. I think he brings shooting to that lineup, which outside the Joe Ingles, they didn't really have. And again, I said it yesterday, Donovan Mitchell who's an average three-point shooter, but it gives you some shooting. Boyan's a great defender, too. So, I mean, that defensive front court's great. It's just your backcourt could improve a little. Um, But, no, I think it's a good signing. It definitely is. Uh, You know, when I think when they heard the news that Tobias was going back to the 76ers, they said, all right, let's go to plan B, which was Boyan Bogdanovich. So, it's not a bad plan B either. So, definitely the Jazz are really looking scary. Uh, Julius Randle going to the Knicks. I predicted this one. Uh, three years, $63 million. Randle's only 24 years old and has shown, shown signs of great potential, especially scoring the basketball. His defense could improve. His rebounding's all right. But overall, he's a great scorer, and he's shown solid potential. I really like Julius Randle. He's an underrated player. Uh, and it's a good signing con- for the Knicks, considering they missed out on KD and Kyrie. I think their plan B was DeMarcus Cousins, Julius Randle. I'm a little skeptical now of DeMarcus Cousins because they signed Bobby Portis, Reggie Bullock. They've made all these signings. Uh, again, DeMarcus Cousins is a center, but Julius Randle and Bobby Portis can both play center. They'd be small ball, but I, I wonder what they are going to do. I think Julius Randle was the fallback plan. If they can't get Kyrie and KD, let's go after Julius Randle and DeMarcus Cousins, because we know we're not going to get Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker at this point. So it's a horrible fallback plan, considering they gave up Kristaps for him and the expectations were so high. Uh, but it's the best they could have done. Uh, well, they could have signed KD, but you already know the whole discussion. Brooke Lopez signs a four-year, $52 million deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. Good little signing here. Uh, the money, again, again, I hate to keep saying the money. He's 31 years old, and it's Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez himself is not worth that money. He's a perfect fit for the, Brooke, for the um, Milwaukee Bucks. In three, four years, this deal's going to hurt him a little bit, and they're going to probably be looking to dump his salary. But for now, it makes sense in the short term for this next year, maybe the year after that. He's Splash Mountain. He's a great shooter. You want to surround Giannis with shooters. It would be nice if Brook Lopez was a little bit better of a defender for that team, but I feel like outside of Brook Lopez, they have a very good defensive lineup anyway. It would be nice if he also had a little bit of post game in case they want to switch things up a bit. I think that's why they got Robin Lopez, who's a bit of a, the opposite from his brother. Uh, offensive style-wise, but no, it makes sense why they'd want Brooke Lopez back. But again, I'd aim for like a two, three-year deal with Brooke Lo- Lopez, but instead they want to go long-term. Uh, probably Brooke Lopez, not really the Bucks, but nonetheless, it was a signing that I think we all saw coming. We already talked about the under. Jordan Harrison Barnes, four-year, $85 million deal. He's 27 years old. Barnes, we all knew... Um, that he declined that player option to go more long-term. That was actually a very good decision. He declines $25 million over one year to go sign back with the Sacramento Kings and get a just over 21 mil over the next four years. Twenty-one Harrison Barnes is not worth $21 million, I'll tell you that much. Um, but again, players are getting overpaid. But this one was a little ridiculous. He's not worth that much money, okay? Um, I get, you know, I think signing him long-term to a four-year deal isn't bad because he is 27. Um, but again, last season with the Kings, 28 games played, he averaged... 14.2 points, shot 46% from the field, averaged 5.5 rebounds and 1.9 assists. And he averaged 34 minutes. So the minutes, yes, but what's this guy going to do next season? Maximum put up 15 points per game. Like, I, I just don't 
no, he's not worth that money next year, and he never will be on this contract. He's not a $21 million player. He's a little bit overrated going into free agency, in my opinion. And I get why you'd want Harrison Barnes back, but especially after making all these other signings, why would you sign him to that much money? Anyway, now moving on to Marcus Morris, who is a free agent. Because you guys are saying, like, whoa, Marcus Morris getting signed? No, I want to wonder, where is he going to go? Is he going to return to the Boston Celtics? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like the Kings have a pretty big deal, had a pretty solidly big deal in place for him. But again, they offered a ton of money. Harrison Barnes had Trevor Ariza. They're signing Corey Jovis, jo- Joseph, Dwayne Dedman. So they've made four moves. So I don't know if they will get him. The Suns seem interested. Uh, they've got Ricky Rubio kind of really overpaid him. Uh, and I think we're going to get to him in a minute. And Frank Kaminsky. So I just wonder where he's going to go. At this point, I just really don't know. So those are kind of some of their options. They just don't seem uh, too uh, heavy. Uh, Patrick Beverly signed a three-year, $40 million deal with the Clippers. Uh, listen, the guy's a pest. He's a good you know, good player, great defender, can really fire a team up. But I don't know if he's worth that type of money at the age of 30. If he's coming off a year where he got $5 million, I'd definitely say he's more of a two-year, $20 million guy rather than three years, 40 mil. But... I think it's a move that the Clippers really wanted to make, get Beverly back. I know they have Shy Gilch, Alexander, Lou Williams already, but why not add a third guard to that, uh, make that a trio? Then we got Thaddeus Young, three-year, $41 million deal with the Bulls. This is actually solid money. Uh, Thaddeus Young is a very underrated player. He's a great defender. And overall, it makes sense why the Bulls were interested in him. Add a little depth to that front court. I was just talking about it. They just lost Robin Lopez. I was talking about it yesterday. You need, need, need depth in that front court, and you get it. Uh, I'm not sure he can play center. That's the only problem. So if Wendell Carter Jr. goes down with an injury, I'm not really sure You know, if Thaddeusen can step up. I still think you need a pure center there because I don't think he will if Carter's injured. Or you don't really have a backup for Carter in the first place, but he definitely gives you that front court depth I was talking about. Terry Rozier signed to a three-year $58 million deal, kind of in that sign-and-trade to the Hornets. It makes sense why the Hornets would want Terry Rozier, but they overpaid for him. The guy's overrated. I'm not just saying that because he just left my Celtics, but the guy's overrated. He struggled last year. I know we saw what he could do, but at the same time, I'm just not not sure he'll be worth that money. And money, it's a risky move. He definitely could live up to the potential. I'm not doubting it, but at the moment, it doesn't seem like a fantastic move money-wise, but it makes sense why they'd want him. Get that next guy. Get the next guy up for Kemba Walker. You're going to have a ton of money. Now you just lost Frank Kaminsky. Uh you know, soon enough, one day, Nicholas Batum's contract will be off the books, and you had enough money to make this move. You're probably not going to get any big-time free agents, so get him, and you'll never need that cap space for a big-time free agent anyway. Uh, Trevor Ariza, two-year, $25 million deal. A nice little signing for the Kings. You get a versatile wing, get a little depth on the wing. I thought you needed one more wing, and you just got him for a good amount of money. Good signing for the Sacramento Kings. Jonas Valanciunas, three-year, $45 million deal. I thought he's one of those guys who you see all these like veterans getting four-year deals. He should got one, too. This is a very good deal for the Grizzlies. I know I overrate Jonas Valanciunas, but I seriously think he's just a... Uh, Great player, very underrated player, and a great fit with the Memphis Grizzlies. Ricky Rubio, three-year, $51 million deal. He's a great floor general. I think he'll be actually a solid fit with Devin Booker, and it makes sense. You needed a point guard, but you overpaid for Ricky Rubio by a mile. Uh, and I know I've said this, like you overpaid for him a little. This is a lot. Ricky Rubio is nowhere close to a $17 million year player. He is literally an average point guard that is already 28 years old. So he's basically exiting his prime. He's not worth 17 mil, and his prime was an average point guard. He's a great defender. So I think the fit itself is awesome because he's a floor general, great defender. So Devin Booker is more of a, you know, shooter and scorer. He's just a bucket getter. Well, Ricky Rubio is more of your floor general, playmaker, defender. So it's a great fit, but I just think I love the signing. Absolutely love it. Plus, it gives you a veteran, which you need. I just hate the money that they gave him. It's the only part. 
Uh, Jeremy Lamb, three-year, $31.5 million deal with the Pacers. This is a good signing after getting Malcolm Brogdon. I'm not really sure you needed someone of Jeremy Lamb's caliber, but now you have a trio in that backcourt. And while Victor Oladipo's out, you can have Jeremy Lamb and Malcolm Brogdon playing the backcourt, and Jeremy Lamb can come off the bench uh, and be a great bench piece for your team. I think you got him in good money. Uh, he's 27 years old, so that's a nice little contract there. Uh, good signing for the Pacers, I think. Nice gives you that depth, that guard that you needed. Terrence Ross sends a four-year, fifty-four million dollar deal with the Orlando Magic. They definitely overpaid for Terrence Ross here. I think Ross is developing to a solid three and D wing with some potential to throw down some flashy dunks here and there. And I really think he's underrated, but he's already twenty-eight years old. And he's not worth $54 million. An average 3 and D wing who can throw down some flashy dunks every once in a while was never will never be really worth that money. Uh, I think he's overpaid here, but not by too much. But he definitely got overpaid. Um, Wesley Matthews apparently reported a two-year minimum dollar deal with the Bucks. We have seen no minimum dollar deals. The minimum needs to be bumped up because this is literally like the only minimum dollar deal I've heard. So this is a great signing for the Bucks because it adds more depth on a minimum dollar deal. Wesley Matthews, maybe 32 years old, but that's actually a good thing for the Bucks. I think it gives you a little bit of veteran leadership, which I think you needed a veteran or two in that locker room. Not that not you're lacking it. You could just use a veteran or two. I'm not saying Wesley Matthews is like a great team leader. I'm just saying it's something. Um, but no, for the minimum, this is a great signing. I think it gives you depth. You lost Malcolm Brogdon, so Wesley Matthews ain't Mal- Malcolm Brogdon, but it's a you know it's something at the guard position. Rudy Gay, at 32 years old, signing a two-year, $32 million deal. Again, I'm not sure if he's worth $16 million a year, but the market seems to be going up, and Rudy Gay is definitely an underrated piece. He's important to that Spurs organization, so it makes sense why they'd want to pay him. And I guess most of these guys are overpaid, so I guess that's the market nowadays. Um, Bobby Portis signs a two-year, $31 million deal. I think Bobby Portis is very underrated, uh, and I actually think he's worth that money. Uh, well, maybe not worth the money, but it's fine for the Knicks because they're they're they needed to spend money. They actually you have to spend a certain amount, and the Knicks weren't at that, so they have to they had to overpay for some guys or spread the money out within their team. So, Bobby Portis last season with the Wizards, um, he averaged fourteen point three points per game on forty four percent shooting in twenty seven minutes a night, eight point six rebounds, one point five assists. He's not a great defender, but he's a solid rebounder, solid scorer. He could be a bit more efficient, but it's nothing horrible. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good little pickup. They also got Taj Gibson too. Forgot about that. So they're a little crowded now in the front court with Taj Gibson. Uh, now Bobby Portis too, Julius Randle, but I think they'll make it work. Derek Rose, a two-year $15 million deal with the Detroit Pistons. It's a great, great to see Derek Rose get paid. Obviously, not a ton compared to the rest of the market, but this is a great signing for the Detroit Pistons. You get that good, like very good backup point guard. You needed a very good pa- backup point guard that could score behind Reggie Jackson. Your team lacked scoring outside of Blake Griffin. Your team Really, Reggie Jackson is about under average at this point, so you need like an over-average backup point guard that can get buckets, and that's exactly what Derrick Rose is. He was the definition of what the Detroit Pistons needed. Alforica Minu signing with the Orlando Magic on a three-year, $29 million deal. Uh, their front court is a bit crowded already, so I you know, I wonder that. I don't know why. They, they probably should have gone after a guard, but at the end of the day, it makes sense they want to bolster up that front court with a little more defense uh, because the, it's not a very good defensive backcourt despite it being loaded. Uh, but yeah, Ennis Cantor now, 27 years old, signing with my Celtics, a two-year, $10 million deal. This is a great pickup for the Celtics money-wise. I think two years, 10 mil is a great contract for a guy like Ennis Cantor. Danny Ainge loves Ennis Cantor. So does Brad Stevens, like that whole system. I've always liked Ennis Cantor since his days in New York, really. I never really liked his old contract, but once he went to New York and I saw him really play, I really liked him. He's a great offensive big. Like, he's an old-school big, but he really gets buckets down low on the post. Uh, and he's a very solid rebounder. I saw these stats. Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor average more points per game and rebounds than Al Horford and Kyrie. But... 
I'm not buying it. Al Horford and Kyrie Irving is definitely better. Al Horford's better than uh, Ennis Cantor, and Kyrie Irving's better than um, Kemba Walker. But Ennis Cantor is definitely an upgrade scoring the basketball underneath. He's a, a better offensive paint player, and he's a better rebounder. But the thing is, he's not a good defender at all, rather than Al Horford was elite. Al Horford was a much better outside-the-arc shooter. Al Horford was great in pick-and-pop. Al Horford overall was a much better player. I like Ennis Cantor. I don't really like his personality and some of the stuff he does off-court. I don't hate him, but I just more like his play style. Alfred Payton, a two-year $16 million deal with the Knicks. Again, the Knicks just trying to spend money here. I understand why they make this move. Payton, despite oh, geez, I keep burping. Despite his injuries uh, last season with the Pelicans, uh, still had a good season when he was on the court, was dropping triple doubles. I think they want some of that depth behind, um, uh, what's his name, <laughs> Dennis Smith Jr., and they want to take a chance on this kid. Uh, we'll get to a few more. Dwayne Dedman, three-year deal, 40 mil uh, with the Sacramento Kings. He's not the rim protector that they desperately needed. He's not a great defensive piece like they desperately needed at center. But they still got a center. I don't really like that. I don't, you know, I don't mind the money. Three years, 40 mil. He is 29. The contract's all right, I guess, because he is underrated. But I'm not really sure he's, I think he's just like a good bench piece at this point. I'm not really sure. I think, I guess he holds up the fort starting-wise, like Willie Cauley-Stein did, I guess. Good shooter. But other than that, I think he could really upgrade his rim protecting to be a much better fit with this team. So, yeah, you got other underrated signings, uh, but nothing really too big to talk about. We're closing in on an hour here, so I don't want to just guys bore you to death, but those are some of the bigger moves that were made in free agency day one. Uh, free agency, when we go over the rest of free agency, it won't take as long as all uh, as the rest. Really, all that's left to go over is we'll go over Kawhi Leonard, DeMarcus Cousins, right, Danny Green, the D'Angelo Russell trade and a few other underage signings, so it won't take as long as this did. Uh, I hope to like grade every team's free agency. Maybe we'll grade their whole offseason, too, if I could get to that in the distant future. But for now, we're focused on free agency, and I'll come out with my team grades when it's all said and done. But for those of you who think free agency is over, just to pump you guys up, there's still Kawhi, DeMarcus Cousins, Danny Green, D'Angelo, another D'Angelo Russell trade, and we don't know where that's going to be. So, I mean, I would hate to see Kawhi go to the Lakers, though. Ugh. But anyway, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you next time.